only question now is, is Nancy Pelosi the devil? I just have this weird, icky feeling about Nancy Pelosi. She wields a lot of uh, a lot of power, a lot of power. Yeah, it's a lot of power over there. Remember when uh, when you would hear about these elections over overseas in other countries, in places like Iraq, where Saddam Hussein would get ninety six percent of the vote. And as a youngster, I guess I never really understood how that worked. Like jeepers, creepers, you know, you mean 96% of the people who voted really like that guy? But then I woke up this morning and you're hearing about all the different uh, races all over the country and everybody, oh, it's a Republican victory. Uh, It's going to be a slam dunk for the Republicans. But then there's Nancy Pelosi, 71%. Now, I know this isn't the final final. Uh, Nobody run against her. I don't have the numbers at my fingertips, but I, I bet you that not that many people voted anyway uh, in that election anyway, because I think she represents Napa Valley or something. Probably not a densely populated area since it's mostly just wine vineyards and million dollar homes, but she has her constituency. But, you know, she's going to win. No one ever is going to run against her. She has a grip uh, on California. And I am starting to believe that Californians, people in California, are suffering from massive Stockholm Syndrome. You know what that is, right? That's where you start to sympathize with your captors. That's where you start thinking that maybe you deserve the punishment that you're getting because somehow you've done something wrong or that life has been too good to you. Maybe you're suffering from a little bit too much white privilege, something like that. But think of the people that run the state of California. You've got Nancy Pelosi, Gavin Newsom, who looks like somebody out of the Manchurian Candidate, if there ever was one. You have an old, decrepit, not, she wasn't born in the last century. I think she was born in the century before. Nancy Feinstein. Uh, Then you're further south, you've got uh, Garcetti, who seems like, you remember during the lockdown what he did? He forced everybody, all the sheriffs forced them all to get vaccines, to fund the police. People started quitting. Crime went up. Then they bring in this guy, uh, Gascon, the district attorney. And he's George Soros' open society foundation, born and bred. Just like this booty, booty guy up that got the boot. Booty got the boot. The DA for San Francisco, which I did not know. I don't know if you knew this, but that guy's parents are both in prison for for being the domestic terrorists, part of the Weather Underground, which I thought was just a TV show on the Weather Channel. And it turns out that in the 60s, that there were a group of radicals that went around and bombed places. And the DA for the city of San Francisco is the child, the love child of Bill Ayers and his wife. His wife, who his mother, Booty's mother, has been in prison for 20 years for blowing up stuff. Aren't the Democrats the ones screaming about domestic terrorism? So I asked myself, self, how did this guy get to be the district attorney of San Francisco? And it's one of the least safest cities in the country. They've got poo-poo all over the place on on the sidewalks. You have a one in three chance of getting your car robbed if you drive into the city on any given day. And nobody will get arrested. 
stores have to shut down because they loot so much. The the smash and grabs, which is now I think a black market thing. They hire people to do smash and grabs. They used to hire people to go around and sell like vacuum cleaners or you know lawn care. Now they they show up with a bunch of people and uh, and they do smash and grab. And then they get back into their cars and they drive to some place and then they count up all the goods and then they resell them on the black market. So that is now an industry in California, thanks to the leadership of Gavin Newsom and and uh, this booty guy and London Fields or London Strawberry Fields Forever, whoever the mayor is for San Francisco. And they and, and, and yet in Nancy Pelosi gets seventy one percent. That's what I don't understand. It makes no sense. It's like when Newsom was recalled earlier this year, Governor Newsom, and he got 66% of the black vote. 60, I can't think. It's, uh, it's hard for me to believe. Right? What is that? What is that noise? Is that me? Is that you? I'm hearing voices in my head. Uh, Suede, are you trying to pull something on me? Anyway, so the state of California is in such a state of disarray. And I don't understand. It's the same principle as to why I don't understand why people aren't protesting on the streets over gas prices. This is a self-inflicted wound that we uh, have. A, uh, we have a president who absolutely refuses to allow our own energy industry to drill, which we talked about yesterday. And yet he's willing to go and beg for the Saudis to produce more oil. Uh, and he authorized the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, by the way, that allows Russia to make... They're never going to run out of money in this war. Anyway, so I don't know why people aren't protesting. It's all like we're asleep. Maybe that's why they legalized marijuana. They wanted everybody, ah, forget about it. They'll work it out. Anyway, welcome to the Robert Davi Show. we got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking to a gentleman with well-timed. He's been on the program before. He's excellent. Uh, Stephen Wilford, he'll be joining us. He's the spokesman for Amer- uh, for the Gun Owners of America. And he is going to be talking about the Second Amendment. And I also am going to ask him about this, this shooter or this would-be shooter that showed up near the home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. I'm sure you've heard about it. And here is the latest. This is from MSNBC, Pete Williams reporting on this suspect who was apprehended just in time. A man was arrested overnight near the home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. He was armed with a gun, a knife, and pepper spray, and told authorities that he was there to kill the justice. Now, he was not arrested at the home of the justice. He was arrested nearby. Law enforcement officials tell us that the man actually arrived by taxi and was seen by uh, police and other law enforcement officials that were near the justice's house. So he was arrested. He was taken into custody. But the man is said to be from California. Uh, He had said he had told the police when he was arrested that he wanted to do this. Uh, But that's just about all we know right now. Uh, The Supreme Court hasn't had any comment yet about the case. Well, we don't know. Uh, He has been apprehended. He is in custody of the FBI. That just came in. And we'll get all kinds of, of Unfortunately, there are too many people in the media that probably won't give this the important reporting that it deserves because what we're seeing here is is simply bad optics. It's not a good sign when you have the United States, home of the free, home of the brave, 
land of the free, home of the brave, law and justice, Ten Commandments, all that stuff. And yet we have our highest court in the land and the justices are being targeted. Why? Because of Roe v. Wade. Because that guy was upset and he wanted to let it be known that he wasn't going to stand for it. That doesn't sound right to me. There's something about this story that doesn't sound right to me at all. I know that they've been talking about this idea of, of requiring our justices, judges, and lawmakers to have special protections. Armed security, right? That's, that's, not, that's not good optics either. Because then you now have a, a second separate class. People that are protected and people like you and me that are not. And it, why would a guy, first of all, why would he take a cab... And second of all, who did he blab to? Why did he have all this? How did they find him? Who tipped him off? There's so many questions to this unusual case. And he's from California. So he would travel all the way to Brett Kavanaugh. And he, what did he think he was going to take Kavanaugh's life? And then that would just mean that Roe v. Wade would be safe? I mean, is this guy a nut? Well, I mean, he can't be that much of a nut. He found the, the place. He showed up. He got from point A to point B without drawing any attention, and yet they stopped him in his tracks. One wonders, there's always something missing. It's from California. Remember that scene in Minority Report? Remember that scene where they're trying to get Tom Cruise to shoot the guy? And you find out that the guy was getting paid off by the government because he was broke and he was bankrupt, and the government said, hey, if you do this favor... We'll take care of your family for life. That's the kind of stuff I think about in my head. Maybe this guy was a setup. Maybe he was a, a what do they call that, a patsy? Maybe he was trying to send a signal to conservatives. You're next. And I wouldn't put it beyond the, the, the devil lady, uh, Nancy. Nancy Pelosi, who won the, the primaries with a 71%. Not even close. Does she even run against anybody? Anyway, we'll continue in just a moment. We'll talk to Steve Williford about the Second Amendment, what all this stuff going on in our society means for you and your safety when we continue. Plus, a little bit later on, we're going to talk to our old good friend Jan Gray in California. He knows everything. So we'll talk to him later on, too. Stay tuned. Davi. You know, I'm the one delivering the message, not receiving it. And we are glad to have back to the Robert Davi Show. Stephen Williford, he represents the gun owners of America. And you know what? He's known around the country as the good guy with a gun. He actually helped stop, stop, actually stopped in its tracks, the largest Texas mass shooting in history back in 2017. He's here to talk about Second Amendment issues, a lot of stuff coming up. And, of course, we have to give some attention to this whole Brett Kavanaugh situation. Uh, I imagine if, if Brett had, uh, if this guy had made been successful, at breaching the Supreme Court justice's home, I'm pretty positive that, that Brett Kavanaugh would be able to defend himself, right? And, and and that's the whole point. That is the whole point to everything that we always talk about that gets overlooked. Uh, I'm tired of the, the pictures. I'm tired of, of uh, you know, the news media, the, the word gun violence. I, I lose sleep over it, but it's not the gun that's being violent. It's the people that are being violent. So you're not going to end gun violence until you end people violence. 
And as you know, that's not likely to happen anytime soon. So here to comment on that is uh, is uh, Stephen Williford. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me on the Robert Davi Show. What are your thoughts on this whole thing with the, the Supreme Court justice? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you heard the story about him possibly getting killed by a, a would-be assailant who was nabbed just in time? Well, you know, we, we have the right to defend ourselves with a firearm. You come into our homes or anything else, we have the right in this country to defend ourselves with firearm. That's what the Second Amendment is all about. It's about uh, defending our, our, our homes, our families, our friends, our neighbors, our community, our state, and, and yes, even the, the whole United States against a tyrannical government if such need be. Uh, so yes, uh, Kavanaugh or anybody else has a right to defend themselves with a gun. And we have to maintain that right also. Uh, there's a lot of horrible things that are going on right now in this country. And, you know, I had somebody say, where was your constitution when children were being murdered in Uvalde? I said, how dare you? You have hamstrung our Constitution. You have made gun-free zones. You've made it where teachers can't carry and defend the, their students or themselves. If, if you get back to what the original intent with the Second Amendment is, then yes, we can defend ourselves. And it's time to get away from gun-free zones and to do away with the things that are hamstringing our Constitution. So I was going to ask you about that, because that is the question that's on everybody's mind. How could we have prevented the shootings, not only in Uvalde, but elsewhere? And you saw Matt McConaughey up on the White House podium yesterday, slamming his hands down in disgust, desperation. What is your reaction to that? What could we have done? What should we have done to make those kids and kids elsewhere safer? Again, uh, we, we need to get rid of the gun-free zones nationwide. We need to, to make it where, like in the Buffalo case, you know, where the guy planned to go to that part of Buffalo because it had the lowest percentage of concealed permits in the whole country, where New York has, has decided that you have capac magazine capacity bans. They say... High, capa high capacity, no, the standard capacity, that's what that firearm is meant to have. So they're doing uh, magazine bans where they ban, where they don't, they don't even have a shell issue state, it's a may issue state. So you have to prove that you have a need to carry a gun. Um, they have bans on assault rifles, as they call them. So this guy wrote in his his uh, manifesto that he was going there because he knew that there were very few people that had the right to carry a gun to be able to defend themselves. They had capa magazine capacity bans and that they were banning um, AR-15 style rifles. He knew that all that happened and, and did he follow any of those laws? No. As a matter of fact, when I saw the video, he parked in a no parking zone so it could be right by the door. He wasn't worried about getting a ticket. 
He wasn't worried about getting arrested for having an assault rifle as such. He wasn't worried about magazine capacity bans or anything else or carrying into a place that no one else could have a gun. He was not worried about any of these things. Criminals break the law. And and how dare New York to leave them, uh, leave their citizens vulnerable to this kind of thing. And the same thing with Uvalde, where we had the police that apparently has come out now, waited 90 minutes before going in uh to get the shooter, and where we had a a good guy with a gun from the outside that tried to take the shooter on when he was shooting through the windows of the church, of the school for 12 minutes. He ran over there with his own firearm and was turned away by the police. Why weren't the police engaging the shooter, and why would they turn away somebody that was trying to help? Um, that's how you hamstring the Second Amendment. That's how you uh, make it where our our people, our citizens, can't defend themselves and can't defend others. You know, the idea floating around, Stephen, is, well, let's just raise the limit. You know, 18-year-olds shouldn't be able to get assault weapons. What's your response to that? Oh, my gosh. Do you think that this is truly a maturity issue? You need to think long and hard about this. This has nothing to do with maturity of an 18-year-old, where we take 18-year-olds right out of high school, and we sign them up when they're 17, and we train them and we send them to other countries with M16s to defend our nation, and we put them in a M1 Abram tank to defend our nation in foreign lands, and we give them guns to serve. Or, you know, the shooter in Sutherland Springs, Texas, was 26 years old. The shooter in Vegas was over 60 years old. This isn't a maturity issue. It's a mental health issue. How dare they say that my 18-year-old son isn't capable of stopping himself from going in and shooting a school up because he's only 18. No, my son, all three of my children, both my daughters and my son, by the time they were eight years old, were distinguished experts with a pistol. They were mature enough to know and know how to handle one and to be able to defend themselves at eight years old. And they knew never to point a gun at anyone, anything that they didn't want to destroy. They they knew this at eight years old. To yeah. say an 18-year-old person, if you, if you want to make, bump it up to 21, then fine. Let's talk about, you know, 21 being the age of maturity. Okay. And let's mm-hmm. turn around and say they can't serve Gotta in go. the country. They yeah. can't drive the Let's send people to your website. They can get more information on you and what you do. Gunowners.org. Stephen Williford, thank you so much for joining me. We'll talk to you again soon here. I'm Dwayne Robinson, LAPD. I'm in charge here. Not anymore. So, yeah, we could talk a little bit about the January 6th hearings tomorrow night, Thursday night. On ABC, check your local, local listings. Don't forget that it is sponsored 
by the Democratic Party. It is it is being set up like a TV show, almost like a reality TV show. And its sole purpose is to aggrandize political uh, weaponization of, of, of one political party against another. What, what is happening here is beyond reproach. Uh, it stinks. It makes our country look weak. It makes us look like uh, ignorant people that have lost a grip on reality. I mean, uh, Trump lost the election. We move, we move on. You know, the whole point is that, you know, they're arguing that Trump tried to overthrow the election. But, you know, when you when you suspect that an election is wrought with fraud and you start asking questions, that's not an overthrow of the elections. It's the same thing when, with Zelensky. Remember the whole conversation by which he was impeached was that he was trying to determine whether or not Zelensky and the Ukrainians were not corrupt. Were they still a corrupt government? And if he's going to sign over $50 billion or whatever he was going to give. And so they, the Democrats take the position, oh, he's trying to find some dirt on Joe Biden. So it's all a matter of perspective is my point. You know, one man, it's like they used to say, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. It's all about perspective. It's all about your position. And I, I do believe, I do believe in my heart of hearts that people do have a great ability to see the truth. And it does, doesn't take that much. They can see through lies. They can see through lies. And they can see that this is all politics. It's all politics, power and politics. The... Democrats know they're going to get a shellacking in November, but they want to minimize damage. And they're calling on all hands on deck from their their party members. Now, you know, this thing with Brent Kavanaugh is really a rebuke. It's a rebuke not only to the the clerk who revealed the memo that got all this started about Roe v. Wade, a discussion that naturally would be taking place between Supreme Court justices because that's what they're paid to do is to discuss the law on issues affecting human beings. And for the clerk to release this, the protest, the media behind it, the media fomenting this, then a guy in California gets in a cab and he wants to go take out a justice because he doesn't like the way things are going, that's on the Democrats. I'm sorry, but that, you know, every time there's a shooter, oh, it's It's a guy, it's an angry white supremacist guy who wants to take out a bunch of people. He's worried about the great replacement theory. You know, the the Democrats have no problem calling out shooters who want to bring violence in the name of their cause. But when somebody wants to do violence in the Democrats' cause, well, you better take, you better fess up. It was your rhetoric. It was the people like Nicole Wallace and Joy Reid who spew this stuff daily about how the, de- the Republicans are nothing but a bunch of cockroaches. Last time I heard that kind of language, I was watching the movie Hotel Rwanda. You know, Tulsi Gabbard has it right. Can we play that? Do we have that still from yesterday? I mean, it's, it's so pertinent to everything that we're talking about. I guess I don't have it. I wish I had it. You know, see if I have it on this page. I'll have to look for it. Anyway, in a little while, we're going to talk to a gentleman who is very familiar with the law. And he's also very familiar with American politics. Uh, he is, he's been in the scenes for a long, long time. But again, you know, this Jan 6 commission hearing, 
is is weaponizing politics. Does nothing to do. The American people have moved on. They get it. They they get it. The Democrats don't want Trump back. They get it. They're going to do everything to make not only Trump suffer, but anybody who was associated with him suffering, a.k.a. Peter Navarro, shackled in, in, a, in a public airport. And, and they're trying to flex their muscle. I get it. We all get it. It stinks. It's ugly. It's bad optics. It's what we all hate about politics. But you think it's bad here. Think about what they're doing in Canada. Great article in uh, PJ Media today. David Soloway gets credits. Kudos for this one. It's called A Canadian to an American Friend. You Think You Have It Bad is the name of the article. And it's a gentleman who's basically just going through a short list of how things have gotten really, really, really bad in Canada. Canada used to be a place where, okay, well, it was soft socialism. You know, they had universal health care. It wasn't too bad. And, And partly because it's so sparsely populated you know for such a great landmass there's not a lot of people there uh, most of the northern areas are too extreme to even live in so you've got pockets like Montreal and Ontario the Toronto where you have a lot of people but then it thins out uh, even Vancouver which sits what 90 miles north of Seattle it, it's more like a mini San Francisco than it is a mini Seattle it's just small and I've been through the northern, I've driven through all the way Yukon uh, up into the, you know, Alcan Highway. But, um, you know, Prince Rupert, these are little towns, you know, 50,000 at the most. And, and so they've acquiesced to the government being in control. There's not that much of a government. There's not that much. They just make basically make sure that everybody is, and it's not that hard living either. Everybody gets a stipend. Everybody gets health care. It's fine. It's different when you have 30 million people in one state, as in, the, as in the case of California, and you've got 7 million illegal immigrants who all want health care. Big difference between that and, say, a place like Ontario, where you have maybe a million and a half people, and practically everybody goes to college there because college is paid for. So that's all good and well for a small society. Socialism works great in small societies. They don't work so well in large societies. So I'll leave that to the, uh, you know, the anthropologist. But this is what's going on in Canada now. So they've introduced a bill called C-261. And it's uh, being reviewed now before Parliament proposing to... I'm reading these to you because I want you to know that some of this could leak over into the bloodstream of America. And And I'm just trying to warn you. So Bill 261... Uh, proposes proposes to convict Canadians of hate crimes in advance of the commission, even before they've broken the law. And, and if you put something on the internet, for example, you could be arrested. That's that's what they want to do. They want to propose a hate crime that if you say something publicly, they can arrest you even before you've committed the crime. Bill C four criminal. This is frightening. This should frighten every parent in America. In Canada, Bill C-4 proposes that it criminalizes what they call conversion therapy in the home. Uh, It's an attempt to affirm the validity of a child's birth gender. The bill allows the state to act what they call in loco parentis and remove the child from the home for gender reassignment 
if they deem that it's necessary. So a child says, I'm a boy, it's a girl, and the parents don't agree. No, Tommy, you're Tommy. You're not Susie. Boom. Government comes in. You're charged with conversion therapy. Your children are removed, and they're given their chemical reassignment. That's frightening. And if you think gas prices are bad here, the average person in Canada, which they're a flush, they're just completely a flush in oil, $11 per gallon, $11 per gallon. Last week, it cost you 8 bucks to get a Starbucks coffee in Canada. Now it's 12 bucks. That's like a 40% increase in a week. They're also looking at carbon taxes, <clears throat> a home equity tax uh, to uh, charge citizens for, for using carbon, which we know is coming to this fine country. And then, of course, mask uh, face coverings are still mandated everywhere. It feels like you're in a giant prison. It feels like you're in a giant prison in Canada. And guess what? You are. You are in a giant prison. And the prison ward is a guy by the name of Justin Trudeau. We'll be right back. You know, I haven't even promoted my website yet. How, how stupid of me. Uh, if you like what you're hearing and you like to read and you like good articles, go to thejimwatkinsshow.online. Thejimwatkinsshow.online. It's up. And uh, also... Be sure to uh, listen to the previous episodes. And uh, filling in for the great Renaissance man today, Robert Davi. It's good to be here. It's always good to be here. want to thank all of our great affiliates out there, those of you in Colorado Springs who are listening. We love you. Uh, also in uh, eastern part of Phoenix, Mesa, Arizona area, 991 and 1340 on the dial. Uh, and also we are on in Vegas. Uh, kind of late night, but we're always glad to have you third shifters getting off, having to deal with all those drunks. Whew, not easy, not a, not an easy job if you live in Las Vegas. But we want to thank you guys for carrying the show. Also, the folks up in Hot Springs, and we're in a couple of other places, Albuquerque, uh, and some other places. So it's good to have you, and it's it's always an honor to sit in this chair. So we don't have a lot of time for the monkeypox update, but I got to tell you something. We got to keep our eye on this one because it's getting creepy. What's creepy about it is that there's new information coming out that doesn't really jive with the original story. Uh, the cases now worldwide are up to well over a thousand, and it's growing at a weird, non-exponential way. In other words, it's not like two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, sixty-four. It's not like that. It's one hundred a day on average. One hundred a day. I don't know, linear as opposed to exponential, which makes me think that there are certain people that are moving through society. Uh, and and monkeypox is smallpox, <clears throat> and smallpox is related to shingles. And the only question that I would ask or I would propose is shingles is one of the side effects of the vaccines. So you go ahead and put one plus one plus one together and see if you also come out with three. Now we're going to bring on a good friend of mine who I have immense respect for. He's a Harvard Law professor, or train, I want to say professor, but trained. He's a, a chief counsel for one of the largest retail outlets in Southern California. And, and he always seems to show up at every political event uh, that there have been. Anything of historical uh, level, he's been there. 
He's almost like Zelig from that Woody Allen movie, and I make fun of him all the time, but he's Charles Jan Gray, and he's just a funny guy, and I love having him on talking about politics. How are you, Jan? Pretty good. Is today Groundhog Day? (laughs) Why? Why do you say that? Well, you say I show up at every event. It's like Groundhog Day over and over. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you heard the first part of the show, Jan, but how did how did Nancy Pelosi win seventy one percent in yesterday's vote? Did she run unopposed? Were you aware that anybody even ran against her? No, there was someone that ran against her, but you know she has been uh, a fixture in her district for since the uh, late eighties and. Actually, you know, you you were talking about me being everywhere. I was at Nancy Pelosi's first fundraising dinner in uh, yeah. the late late 80s. She I flew up from Los Angeles um and she autographed a bottle of wine for me because I was at a table and I was the only person sitting at the table. And that bottle of wine was destroyed in the 94 earthquake. No way. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe a sign. So what is her, but her district is, well, obviously the Sonoma Valley isn't, that's her district, but uh, the, she's associated with San Francisco. For some reason, I always think of her like with Feinstein being residents in San Francisco and so forth. But what's their, what's their hold? What are the Democrats? How are they able to hold on to Californians even despite the crime and, and, and the unemployment and all the things that are wrong, the high taxes, why don't people wake up and realize that these people are not working in their best interest? Well, that's an interesting question, but it, it's, and I've tried to flesh it out in talking to Californians, and it just seems to be, for instance, I, uh, advocated to some of my Democratic friends the next time they're pumping gas uh, to chant four times, I'm glad I voted for Joe Biden. Um, But honestly, they just think the things you're talking about just happened anyway. And they don't want to look to reasons why it's changed since President Trump left office. So, in other words, if, you, if they, they're okay with the fact, uh, it's inflation, nothing you can do about inflation, that's sort of their well, mindset. It was bound to happen well, anyway. Well, well, yes, and you know, in a way, the, the Crimean, I mean, the Ukrainian, Crimean War, whatever you want to say, it had something to do with it. But Yeah, yeah, not, that's the go-to. Yeah, it's, but not the whole enchilada, you know, as we say here in Southern California. Well, if anything, yeah, America made $40 billion on on sales of weaponry. We'll get it someday. We won't get it tomorrow. Uh, you know, and that's part. I mean, we could have gone diplomatic on that and avoided the whole war anyway. But why not, you know, pad the pockets of Raytheon and McDonnell Douglas and have those techies who make $300 an hour come home with a good paycheck they'll vote for me again in november see i think there's a lot of that going on this is this is why you have a military industrial complex in this country because politicians have figured out that if they make sure those jobs are at home 
they will get reelected year after year after year. And that's why I think it's broken in California. Do you know what they pay in taxes for gas in California? How much of it is actual for the fuel? How much is... It's almost a dollar in uh, California state taxes. It's, I think it's 92 cents. So that's why, for, for instance, when I filled up, well, I didn't fill up. I only got 10 gallons because <laughs> I'm only I'm, I'm only going to be here uh, until tomorrow, and then I'm flying back to Wyoming, where, as you know, my son is running for Secretary of State, Chuck Gray. Yeah. But sure. Wyoming is almost a flip of California. Wyoming voted 70% for Trump, 30% Democratic. Here it's more like, you know, 70% for, I mean, look look at the percentages that the governor in the governor's race and the Alex Padilla race for the Senate, um, both of them got in the mid-50s and the next person, because in California, the top two, whether they're two Democrats or two Republicans, have a runoff in in November, the next person has 18%. So it's it's pretty dramatic. I would say that the one thing that came out of the California elections was this defeat of district attorney in San Francisco, Chesa Bodine. Oh, Bodine. Yeah. Right. Son son of two domestic terrorists. (laughs) Well, and also he's a former public defender. Now, I don't know many public defenders that turn into prosecutors, and he certainly did. And he certainly <laughs> didn't. And there's 62 percent of the vote in, and he's down there 60-40. This means the attorney general, or excuse me, the district attorney in Los Angeles County, uh, George Gascon, who, believe it or not, was the San Francisco district attorney before he ran for Los Angeles district attorney. Now, that's a difficult one to pull off. Yeah. He's He's the next one coming up for a recall. Good. And then, of course, the mayor's race in Los Angeles, it looked like, on the surface, Rick Caruso at 42 and Karen Bass at 37, that looks good. But if you look at Kevin DeLeon, who had 7.5, and uh, a very left person, Gina Vida, at 5.2, you add those two lefties to Karen Bass, and she's got yeah, 49.7. So yeah. it's going to be difficult for Rick Caruso to get that last 8% that he needs. Let me uh, switch real quick because our time is limited. You know all about the Liz Cheney uh, debacle in Wyoming because that's where you live sometimes. But uh, is she really hated now in Wyoming because of the whole Jan 6 thing? Is this going to be her downfall, or do you think she has a chance of getting reelected? Well, I'm uh, what they used to say is a rare bird, a rare avis, because I do think she has a chance. She has $6 million to spend on media. Which is a lot in Wyoming. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you could buy a whole all the TV stations in Wyoming for that, but <laughs> yes, you could. And, but, yeah. but, honestly, but honestly, there's a lot of people that truly do not like her, and the lady that's going against her, Harriet Hageman, my son also was running for Congress. 
there, but Trump chose Harriet Hageman. The, the, the po political people like you and I, they think there's no way she can win. I think there is a possible way she can win, and she might benefit from what's called democratic crossover because Wyoming's the only state Got where you can seconds, go. Jan. Yeah, you can you can go in registered as a Democrat, change your registration to Republican, yeah. vote in the Republican primary, and then change your registration back to Democrat, all yeah. in in an hour or two period. Well, listen, we're out of time. Jan Gray, Charles Jan Gray. Uh, friend and expert at all things political and legal. We'll have you back on again. Always a pleasure. Take care, Jan. <laughs>